1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: Yes, it is. Back in Better Than Ever. Greeny rolling on here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to do a little whip around. We're going to run all around the NFL at the bottom of this hour. So about a half hour from now, I've got four or five different reporters standing by that will be ready to go here. And we'll do one question, which we haven't done in a long time on this show, but it was one of the original conceits that we put together when we when we came back to do radio a couple of years ago where we'll go to a bunch of different places with a bunch of teams that i think have at least one very interesting question to ask about them and we will do so uh, right now i'm gonna ask a bunch of questions my buddy graziano good enough to come back and hang out in studio he's here all day long our nfl insider extraordinaire dan graziano uh, by the way the last time i was with you um was right before you were getting set to take your son off to college. Oh, yeah. And then I went on vacation, and yeah. now you have indeed done that. Yeah, he's there. And I had given you some uh, forewarning, not that anyone yeah. needs to be warned, that this is, this is it's, it's a different emotional experience. It so was. how is everything holding together so far? I
3: mean, we're in that zone, that I think, that you know. like he's, he's there. He's been there a week. It was really rough leaving him. It's weird that he's not in the house. You know, his little brother, I think, is a little more shaken up than he expected to be. Right. You know, his mother is monitoring everything he's doing. Who are you hanging out with? Who would you eat lunch with? All that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're in that transition phase and it's, it's difficult. There's no doubt about it. But, man, he's in a great place. He's going to do so well there. Uh, I think today's their first day of classes. So that's a big thing. He's been waiting for that. But, um, yeah, it was it was it was tougher than than
2: they even warned you about. Yeah, look, life goes on. And, and I think I told you the story. The, the really weird one for us, well, I mean, there's a million of them. When, when, like you, I have two kids. When the older one goes off to school, it is difficult because you, you come back and you have the dynamic of the one who's accustomed. Not only is that one who remains at home accustomed to being part of a duo, but has also always had the older sibling. Yeah. You know, so always has someone else to kind of lead the way when there's a question to be asked about things. And so everything changes. Yeah. But I was talking to Tanabam about this too this morning because he also he just took his daughter off to school. Yep. The, the the day that I remember it the most, Stace, when we took Stevie off to school, the, the younger of our two kids, she comes home. I came back the first day to get out to work to go back to work. She stayed another day or two, setting up the dorm room, you know, all the, that all that stuff. So she comes back. So now it's our first ever day as empty nesters. And we go to the supermarket. Yeah. Right. We're going to the, do her shopping. And she grabs this bread out of the shelf that i don't need and she doesn't need <laughs> and i said what are we doing She says, this is the bread that stevie likes yeah. and so i have this brief moment where i thought to myself do i say it <laughs> do, do you need to and so i said you do know stevie isn't here to eat the bread <laughs> and she said she looked right at me she goes I'm buying the bread. <laughs> there you have it. So, the bread, parenthetically, still in the house. Yeah. It's a year now. We put it in it. She, she opens I up the eat bread. It. She puts it all in the. No, no. In oh. the, and, and it's frozen. Oh, okay. Well, so, I don't good. know how long it stays good, but I it is still in it. the freezer. All right. So, Stevie's bread is there. Anyway, <laughs> everything will be fine. You guys will do great. Uh, by the way, So we were just talking, Nuno and I were just discussing the fact that because of my travel nightmares of yesterday, Mm -hmm. in which I was on an airplane or trying to get on one, from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, I did not get to see any of the Jet Giant preseason game, so any of the Jets, and he was telling me that, he then is rubbing it into me of how incredibly difficult and challenging the Jets' schedule is, the first 10 weeks are brutal. They are. And just where, just give me a little sense of where people generally think that they have netted out. Because I said, I have no read, I have no feel coming out of this preseason for where they are.
3: I was talking to a, an executive with a different team the other day, somebody who scouts other teams around the league. And I said, you know, who have you seen that you liked? And he thought for a second, and he actually said, he said, you know, it, it sounds weird to say it. He said, but the Jets have done a really good job of kind of building out the middle part of their roster, like with, with solid guys, mm-hmm. right? Like they... There's, there's still, you know, they're going to need to develop some stars, some guys that can carry the team. Got to find out about the quarterback, obviously, but you know, the 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 sense I got was that, you know, this guy at least was impressed with what they're doing and where they're going and and, and sort of the solidity of it. I don't know that that helps them beat the Ravens and the Bengals and this, you know, the Packers and the, I mean that's rough. That's a rough first half of the season, uh, but you know. I, Again, I I think there's a feeling that they have the right people in place. And I know you've heard that before. Right. Right. More than once. All of my life. But I think there's a feeling that they have the right people in place. Of course, it all rests on how good the quarterback is. They always
2: have the right people in place until they fire them and then bring in new people who are the right ones to be in place every three or four years. So let's hope we're not headed back to that. Giants
3: are in the same cycle, by the way.
2: They have now become that, yeah. right? They've become that as well. We'll see. They're at the very beginning of that cycle. Yeah. The Jets, look, we're already the second year into this new yep. uh, coaching staff. So by our standards, that's a, they have a Little pretty long tenure.
3: Longevity. Yeah.
2: Um, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, Greeny and Graziano in studio with me here. We're coming to you live above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. Uh, something we did not get a chance to get to on TV this morning that I really wanted to I also did not get to see the Bears preseason game on yeah. Saturday, but I was with my extended family who are all from Chicago and they all watched and they were all raving about Justin Fields. Now, all yeah. I got to see were the numbers. I'm going to go live to Chicago a little later in this hour for an update. But what are people because what are people saying about a Bears team that I perceive to be you know one of the worst teams in yeah. the league i think the, that's the expectation but the numbers from fields on saturday jumped off the page i think there's an expectation
3: when you look at rosters that it's it's probably it probably looks like a, a bottom you know three or five roster in the league and that they'll probably struggle but i that was one of the camps i went to and you know they're putting something together new gm new coaching staff all that but what was consistent they really like fields and this is not a guy they drafted right they inherited him so you can see it going either way but they're very, very happy with what they've seen from him. They love the talent. They love everything about him, you know, the, the, the work ethic, the intelligence, like all that. So, so they feel like they have the right guy to build around. I just think it's important, if you're a Bears fan, to understand that the building is really kind of just beginning, right? Like, what do they have at wide receiver besides Darnell Mooney? And, you know, is Mooney going to be capable of sustaining wide receiver one production for Justin Fields? The offensive line is a work in progress, and that's scary for any quarterback, mm-hmm. young or old. Uh, they have David Montgomery there at running back. They're not sure if he's going to – they're going to give him a chance to, but they're not sure he's necessarily the right back for that system. So there's going to they're, there's gonna be some turnover in the, in the next couple of years. But they do seem convinced that Justin Fields, as a young quarterback, is someone in whom they can put their hopes. So
2: here's the only way you get this right if you're in Chicago. And this is an organizational issue that teams make the biggest mistakes in the world, and I've said it for, from the moment this happened. They should never have kept the previous regime around to make long-term decisions like that. Like, you either—you could have gone either way you wanted, but Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy was the previous regime. Mm -hmm. You either say to them, you know what, I believe in you guys, you're going to be here for a while longer and give them a contract extension— Or you move on from them before you make the decision like trading away a first-round pick for a quarterback you're then going to build around. Because then you find yourself exactly what you just said in a situation where you have a whole new staff that doesn't necessarily have a tie to him. And the problem you had in the previous one is that the guy you hired then, Matt Nagy, came in and whose job it was to fix the guy he hadn't drafted, Mitch Trubisky, and clearly didn't like him from the beginning. For whatever reason, he clearly never believed in him and never wanted to build around him. So the, the only way you make that right is when you bring in the new staff, who in this case is Iber Flus and and, and Luke Getze, yeah, right, Ryan the offensive coordinator, the GM, Ryan, right? the you tell them, I'm only hiring someone who believes in this quarterback. Right. And if you don't, then I'm telling you right now, you, you can just say to me, oh, I believe in him so you can get the job, but I'm never going to accept from you <laughs> It's the quarterback's fault. I right. didn't think he was that good in the first place. Your job is to make him good. And if they can do that, then they can make right what they got wrong in the first place. Yeah, and you see it with, we see it with all kinds of different teams. I mean, like you see it
3: all the time, that turnover, the lack of patience. You know, the, the opposite example is uh, San Francisco, right? They gave long-term contracts to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, first-time head coach, first-time GM. Uh, they've been there five years. They've had three losing seasons. Right. And the other two, like they went to the Super Bowl once and almost went to the Super Bowl. So that organization clearly believes in those people to run it. And and so they're willing to ride with them through the highs and the lows and change quarterbacks until you get it right, till you find the draft pick you like. So that's an example of of what it's like to stay patient, even when things aren't necessarily going well. But you see you're absolutely right. You see too many teams uh, switch gears. Now, of course, the trick is if you did get it wrong, you have to switch gears. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not just you have to be patient, but you also have to have the right people in place. So when I say that about the Jets, you know, the, the coaching staff's very young, but it's it's well regarded in terms of, you know, the, the, the idea, the vision, the the intelligence, all that. Uh, but, you know, we'll see if they go, you know, five and 12, then we're going to be talking about are they going to fire Perhaps, the coach?
2: But no, they can go five and 12 and have everything be just fine because they, they've got a different they can. Because with this schedule and everything yeah. else, if they're in all these games... And if they look, see something from the quarterback. I speak at, yes, and yeah. from the coaching. I mean, you have to do that because so far we've seen nothing from either. Uh, forgetting mm. them. Look, 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 very quickly in the moment that I uh, have you here, um, what did you just make me think of? Oh, the 49ers. Are you buying... Are, are you one of these? I've got all these people telling me how great they're going to be and how great he's going to be. Are you one of those people?
3: I think he will be great eventually. I think he's got the talent and not everything else about him. I think this year is going to be rocky. I really do. And I think Kyle Shanahan has said as much in his uh, public comments, but I think you're going to see some flashes of the brilliance and what they saw in him. I think you're going to see some, some you know, quote unquote, rookie mistakes. I know he's not a rookie, but he, he's as a starter, he basically is. So... Very, 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 very inexperienced, right? Coming out of college, mm-hmm. uh, you know, played one game his last year in college. So uh, they're going to have to work through it. They think they have a good enough roster around him uh, to sustain it. To, to, and, and Kyle Shanahan has the kind of coach that can mitigate the flaws, the inevitable bumps in the road. So that's who they're putting their faith in. I don't know what they have on the offensive line besides Trent Williams. I think the defense could be really good. I think they're a little bit of a mystery team. But I, this whole idea of, like, Trey Lance being a – uh, a, a suddenly popular
2: MVP candidate. Yeah. I,
3: I don't. I don't think this is the year for that. But
2: well, we've seen quarterbacks in their second years yeah, do it. We right. Have. We saw Mahomes did it. We saw Lamar do it. Maybe if he's we'll Mahomes, they're going, they're in great shape. If if he's <laughs> either of those guys, there. Yes, that, that's absolutely right. Because they have a better team. Well, maybe Kansas City did. They've got a really good team around them. If the kid yeah. is that good, that fast, they're going to be really good. Danny, thanks as always. My pleasure. I appreciate you sticking around here and, and uh, spending a couple of minutes with us. Coming up next. This week, we are very likely seeing the end of one of the most important eras in the history of sports, and I will tell you what it is, and we'll talk about it right after this. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show
4: is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space
2: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. All right, I'm Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance, and I invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. ESPN Nation presented. By Dr. Pepper, it ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. We talked a little college football earlier with my thoughts on Northwestern Nebraska, which was a delight for those of us who root for Northwestern. Um, and it was just fun to see the game being played in Ireland um, all the way around. And, and then you can't ask for more than we're getting this weekend, right, Bubs? I mean, we got two unbelievable games. There's a lot of good games on the college football schedule this weekend. But there are two that just jump right off the page. Georgia-Oregon, which we have in the afternoon Saturday on ABC, is a fabulous, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, it's like an, an appetizer, right? Sort of whets the appetite for what's to come that night. And I think we expect Georgia to win, but if they don't, then that gets interesting, and all of a sudden it brings, you know, the, the, the much-troubled Pac-12 into all the conversation and everything. So a big day, Oregon-Georgia. And then the nightcap, Bubs. I mean, Notre Dame and Ohio State, to start the season on a Saturday night, what more could you possibly want than that? There are very few college football games that I will say, no matter what else is happening, there's no, there are no other plans that could be made that I will not be watching that game. But this is one of those. On September 3rd, there's no way in the world I'm not watching Notre Dame, Ohio State. What are your thoughts, Bubba? Well, first of
3: all, the uh, Georgia game is on ESPN Radio, so I want to get that out there. Get tuned in on Saturday.
1: Yeah, but absolutely. Great, great Saturday. Second question, Notre Dame-Ohio State, as you mentioned, Ohio State, 17-and-a-half-point favorites. Is there any
2: chance Notre Dame covers? Sure. Oh, covers? Absolutely. I thought you were going to ask me, is there any chance Notre Dame wins? You think they can win? Look, if they can't win then they're not nearly as good. They're the fifth-ranked team in the country. If you're the fifth-ranked team in the country, especially the first week of the season. But, I mean, the, the initial rankings, eh, you know. Okay, I mean, maybe they're nonsense. I understand that, but maybe that's true of everyone. Look, do I? if you're asking me right now, would I bet an amount of money that mattered to me on Notre Dame and the money line? No, I most certainly would not. Right. But, look, I mean, 17 points is a lot of points, but... Nebraska was a thirteen-point. Last time I looked, Nebraska was a thirteen and a half-point favorite against us on Saturday. And I said to everybody that was around me, "Put your, put anything you possibly can afford to lose. Ne- never let me make any references I make to gambling. Sometimes I say them facetiously, but because sometimes things don't go without saying. No one should ever bet an amount of money they cannot comfortably afford to lose. That said, you should bet everything you can." on Northwestern with the money line. We were getting 4 to 1. We were plus 400 with the money line against Nebraska. That's a pickem game. Northwestern Nebraska is a pickem game. Now I'm not telling you that Notre Dame Ohio State is a pickem game. But if Ohio State is really 17 points better than than Notre Dame, then the distance between the very 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 top teams in the sport and everybody else is greater than even I perceive it to be. Cuz if it's really just Alabama, Ohio State and Georgia And then everybody else, then that really isn't any fun. So I'm hoping that is a really good game on Saturday night, regardless of who wins it. You don't think it will be? Bubba, you don't expect a good game that night. I I mean, I'm hoping for it. I just, I don't know. Ohio State at home, I'm just,
3: I just feel like this has got Ohio State
2: dominating written all over them. But no, 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 are you giving the point? Nuno, are you giving 17 points in that game?
5: Oh, I think Ohio State blows him out. Blows him th- out. Yeah, Notre Dame and Feinbaum, this is why we love Feinbaum. He's been, he was on Get Up once these rain, rankings came out and said, this is just an overreaction. This is a no Dame that, but he always overreaction. Is, he always is. That. Notre
2: Dame, we always say they're overreacting. We always say that we're over- inflating them. We, always, we diminish Brian Kelly and all the rest. That. In the meantime, they're in the playoff every year. They lose like one game a year. There are so much for for a program that gets it. Is, it has been traditionally so overhyped. They have generally, I think, been so underrated the last decade. Um, Nuno, you know, I think it's gone the opposite direction because there's so much hate out there. People live, live to hate on them, and that's fine. You can love or hate whoever it is you want to love or hate. But I think it's now gone completely the other way to where we sell them short. Nuno. No. I understand what you're trying to say, but
5: I just don't know. I just feel like against Ohio State, you know, CJ Stroud is the leader, the favorite for the Heisman. I just feel like this is Saturday night. It's 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 not going to be a good situation for them. And they might come back and, you know, they have some big games later on, right? You don't, you know, a BYU team, you, you have to play, you know, you're facing Clemson later on in the year. USC, we don't know what they're going to be. So, like, Normally, an early season loss doesn't take them out of a a the playoffs. I think this one will because of the fact of what they have to face later on in the year.
2: Here's what it is: you're talking about Notre Dame. If if they lose this game forty six to ten, then I think it's over. If they lose this game thirty six thirty three, I think they're right in the middle of everything because I think Ohio State will win the Big Ten, and if they do, and if Notre Dame, then I think Notre Dame is right. Is just fine. Like, I actually think they can better afford to lose this game than Ohio State can because Ohio State is at home and they are overwhelmingly expected to win. And they have to get to deal with Michigan and Penn State and all the rest of it as they go forward. So I think Notre Dame can actually if Notre Dame cannot afford to get blown out. Because if they get blown out, then their credibility is gone. And when you get to the end, there's going to be so many people saying, I don't want to see them in the playoff because we've seen them against one of the big teams and they lost by 30. But I think if they lose, if it's a one-score game, if there is a moment in the fourth quarter that you're thinking Notre Dame might win this, Then I think it's a win for them. I really do. Do you think Kevin
5: Warren calls up Ryan Day and says, "Hey, listen, we want these guys in our conference, so take (laughs) it easy,
2: like keep it close until the fourth quarter, like we want them to join us." I don't know. No, look, that that really is the big uh, the big matzo ball hanging out there over everything, right? (laughs) In the case of Notre Dame, definitely not a matzo ball, but you know what I mean. Um, That that is the big question mark that hovers over everything is when will Notre Dame decide to join a conference and which one will they choose? Uh, To me, it's no longer a question of if. This will become a world in which the meaning of, quote-unquote, being in a conference will totally change from what it's always been. And it's going to become less a conference in the way college has always been than it's going to become a conference in the way the 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 AFC and the NFC are in pro football. So I think (coughs) eventually they do wind up aligned somewhere with someone, I think it might take a little while, though, because I I think they will, because they have the luxury of being able to do so, like all these other schools, they were running to make these deals because they didn't want to be left holding the bag. Like in a game of musical chairs, you got to sit down real fast because the music is going to stop. I don't think Notre Dame ever has to worry that the music will stop. Someone will always dust off a chair for them. So I think they have the luxury of being able to sit back. Wait till all the dust clears. Like literally, this is where everything is going to wind up. I'm just making this up now. Let's say it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC and nobody else, and that's all it's going to be, and, and one of them will be with Fox and one of them will be with the ESPN, and, 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 and that's, that's what college football is going to be. And we know that for sure, and everyone winds up in their places. Everyone who has an invitation to the table winds up being told what table they're sitting at and what seat they're sitting next to. At that moment is when Notre Dame can make up its mind, and that's a wonderful luxury to have. All right, I didn't even get to what I meant to get to here, but uh, but we will, which is to say that I think we're about to see the end of one of the most important eras in the history of sports. I will talk about that, and we will do one question. We'll run around to a bunch of NFL training camps and get the one big question answered from each. That's next. Don't miss it. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio.
6: legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8Save. That's the number 8,
2: SAVE. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The blessing and the curse of having so much stuff going on is that half the time the things that I plan to get to get to, we never wind up getting to. I never got to play the soundbite from Tom Brady that I wanted to play. But Nuno, I thought it was really fascinating that Brady was willing to be this vulnerable for a person um, who has carefully cultivated his image as carefully as he has and who has, look, let's face it, the best image maybe of any athlete we've ever seen, um, for Brady to be as open as he was on Saturday night about how complicated his life feels to him right now. I thought it was really remarkable when you said this.
1: It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. So we all have really unique challenges to our life. And I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of going on. So, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can. And, you know, it's a uh, continuous process. So,
2: Good for him. Look, I will say this as, as, as openly and directly as I can, whether you're 45 like he is or you're 55 like I am or you're 25 or 35 or, or 95 or five, there's a lot of stuff going on and it is a continuous process. And when you have your and, and when you are a person who is as motivated by work, I'll just use me uh, in this example because I'm the one I know best. When you're a person who is as motivated by your career as Tom Brady is and as I am and who, whose family is as important a piece of your life and as much a priority as his is and mine is, then I know that when those things are in harmony, you can be your best in both. When things are going well at work and things are going well at home, then you can flourish. They multiply upon each other. And when one of them is out of harmony, when one of them is out of balance, when one of them is out of whack, for whatever reason, and I I have told you, we are not going to speculate on this show about what's going on in Tom Brady's life. Whenever he feels like he wants to talk about it, that's his business. It's not mine. But he's open enough to say that he's got stuff like this going on. So whatever it is he's referring to, then it sounds like that balance is off. Something is going on in his life. Things are happening in his life where it all is falling out of harmony. And that's difficult. We've all been there in in our own ways. And you have to work to get it all right again. And you can. You do. Things things never are perfect all the time. But what is interesting as an observer of him as a quarterback, a 45-year-old quarterback with the pressure of an entire Super Bowl season riding on his shoulders, can he manage to put those things in harmony enough to have a big year? It's an interesting question. Hi, Greeny with you here. We have a bunch left to do before we wrap it up for today. Um, And we have two things in particular. We're going to do one question for the first time in a long time. I have a few reporters standing by who are going to answer one big question about the teams that they cover. And again, I reserve the right, because the show is called Hashtag Greeny, to ask more than one if I feel like I want to. But we like the yeah, name one. one. We like No, we like the name one question, Bubba. But if I want to ask a second question to Courtney Cronin, then that's what we're going to do. I'd
3: rather you keep it one, thanks. You,
2: but you, you, you're, so you're telling me that if I try to ask a second question, you have an issue with it? I think we should just keep it one. (laughs) Well, let's see how this thing goes. The feature is called One Question.
1: I have only one question.
2: So let's see if we have only one for Courtney Cronin, who covers the Chicago Bears for us extraordinarily well. Courtney, welcome and thank you. And let me start. Well, let me ask you the big question here. I I, I mentioned it at the beginning of this hour. Um, I had a very busy weekend and I did not get to see the performance in which Justin Fields set the world on fire on Saturday. (laughs) So I guess my question is, for all of the pessimism that seems to be surrounding these Bears, is there cause for real optimism based upon the performance of their quarterback on Saturday?
0: I think so, because it's optimism that is showing you this offense is trending in the right direction. And, of course, like Justin Fields and the starting offense should perform that way against a Cleveland defense that was without a couple of its starters. It was still their ones, but there was no Miles Garrett. There was no Jadavian Clowney. Grant Delpit got hurt. Greg Newsom wasn't playing. Like there was a lot there to like. And I think truly we got to see what this offense is going to look like in the regular season. Because most times teams are going to try to stay very vanilla in their base, you know, in kind of their base uh, operation, but you got to see What Fields looks like when their scheme throws from the pocket. You've got to see the screen game, the quick throws, uh, the uh, the tight end screens, too. I mean, that's important, knowing that this team has one proven wide receiver right now and a lot of guys hurt at the position. So seeing what the run game looks like, what that support does for Justin Fields, how the tight ends get involved in the passing game, and knowing that this team's going to feature some heavier personnel this year because they have to, it gives you hope that it can look like this in moments, maybe not all the time, but it can look like this in the regular season. And that carryover from the third preseason game will be tangible going into week one.
2: Outstanding. Courtney, thank you so much. I look forward to doing this regularly as we get into the season, because I think if not the team, certainly the quarterback is among the most interesting stories in the sport. Courtney Cronin with the Bears for us. Thank you very much. Our next stop is the New York football Giants. Jordan Renan covers them for us with the one question. I have only
7: one question.
2: And I guess, Jordan, with the preseason now wrapped up for them and so many questions hovering, particularly about their offense, what will it look like in the new offense of Brian Dayball with Daniel Jones? What will it mean for Saquon Barkley and his future? For the fans who've not had a chance to watch a lot of their preseason, be it in New York or across the country, what can you tell them as they head into the start of their regular season in New York?
1: I think you could feel confident about where Saquon Barkley is. I mean, I asked him the other day, I said, you know, how do you feel compared to previous years? And he's, he, he's way, way beyond where he was at this point last year. Because if you think about it, he was just getting cleared to return to practice at this point last year. So now he had an off season to train. You have a healthy Saquon Barkley. And him and Daniel Jones and, you know, Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galli. all these guys, have questions they're all in an evaluation year under the new regime of Brian Dable and Joe Shane but what they do have for them is they're working in an offense that we know can be successful that's a scheme that has been successful Brian Dable comes from uh, Buffalo we saw what Buffalo's offense looked like the last few years we saw that it turned Josh Allen into an MVP candidate Mike Kafka the offensive coordinator he comes from Kansas City so you're gonna have pieces of the Buffalo and Kansas City offense now with the Giants now When you look at those two organizations and those two offenses, what do we know? Those offenses can be successful in today's NFL. Now it's up to Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and all these other guys to, A, stay healthy, which has been a huge problem for them in recent years, and two, show out on the field and show that they're worth the contract that they're playing for this year.
2: Outstanding work, Jordan. Thank you. We'll get ready for the start of the season. We'll be talking to you regularly in what should be a very interesting year in the NFC East. My next stop on one question. I have only one question. It is my friend Brooke Pryor, who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for us. And she was with us live on Get Up on TV this morning. And she jumps back in with me here again on the radio. And Brooke, for those who did not get a chance to see your report this morning or hear from you, where do we stand now with the preseason behind us and the decision in front of us as far as who the starting quarterback for the Steelers will be week one?
7: Well, we are waiting to hear from Mike Tomlin, who has told us that he's going to let us know at his leisure, uh, which is, you know, about what, what we should expect. Uh, if it were up to me, I wish that we would have known last night. But the Steelers wrapped up their preseason. Mitch Trubisky started all three games. He played the entire first half. Last night, including a two-minute drive where he went down the field, completed six passes on six attempts, 83 yards, finished with a touchdown. That was kind of the only thing that the Steelers hadn't seen out of his game work, at least in the preseason so far. And he went in there and he passed that test. So he was the favorite going into the preseason. I believe he's the favorite coming out of it. Even though Kenny Pickett did make strides, he looked really good, uh, especially when he was in the preseason games. But let's face it, he came in with the second team last night and the second half had the second half, had the second team O line, second team offensive skill players. If he really had a shot to be the starter in week one, they would have put him out there with the ones.
2: I think that's exactly right. Brooke, outstanding. Thank you. And I'll check in with you. I think that's an interesting scenario out there. This may not sound like the right way to make a decision like this, but I actually think it is. And Tomlin is such a good coach, he can do things like this. I think you start the season with Trubisky because it's the decision you can unmake. And once you go to Pickett, once you've given the ball to Pickett, you have to keep it with him. And then you brought in Trubisky for no reason and you're gonna sink and swim with the rookie. The team will eventually belong to Pickett. You you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're making that commitment. But this is the decision that, at least in the short term, you can unmake. Start with Trubisky. See how it goes. I actually think they're going to be good, and he's going to be good. But if I'm wrong and that's wrong, then you give the ball to Pickett, and you let the rest of your life start immediately. All right, one more stop, and you know where that has to be. I have only one question. Uh, and that is with the Jets. Rich Samini has covered the Jets for us and, for, and, and in general for decades now. No one knows the organization better than Rich does. Rich, I said earlier I was, I was, I was in travel hell yesterday, and I did not get to see any of the preseason finale uh, between the Jets and the Giants. So j- just give everyone the big picture topics. For all the Jet fans out there who like to listen to the show, what are the things that are most significant they should know and they should be thinking about as we get ready for the start of the regular season?
8: Well, Greeny, the main takeaway from yesterday was that their starting offense essentially stunk. I mean, they had four series and uh, turned it over twice, including a pick six. They had no continuity in the offensive line. Their running game really struggled. And, oh, by the way, they were not playing against Gi- Giants starters. They were playing against the Giants backup. So it was not a good showing, but the silver lining is that this was the first time that they were together all preseason season. So you had to expect some uh, some rust, especially from Joe Flacco. It was his first preseason uh, game this summer, so that's the silver lining. The downside, of course, is that this offense is going to be the one that opens the season in 13 days against Baltimore, and there are no more games between now and then. They're done, so they only have practice to try to chip off this rust. I think it'll be a a process for this offense as they wait for Zach Wilson to return. It's going to be some growing pain.
2: When is that going to be? When is When should the fans expect Zach Wilson to be back on the field? I think he's
8: going to start practicing real soon, Greeny, uh, some some football activities real soon. But he, I would be stunned if he plays opening day. I just don't don't think that's possible. I think it'll probably take him two or three weeks of practice time before he ramps up and gets back on the field. So I think you're going to see Joe Flacco against Baltimore and quite possibly against Cleveland in week two. Is
2: there anything you can say that will make me feel good? Which is to say, when I my, my, one, my one question to you, your immediate response was, well, the offense stinks. Um, so, so is there anything that you can leave me with that will make me feel good as we wrap up this conversation?
8: I'll leave you with this, Greeny, and hopefully this cheers you up a little bit. The defense looked good yesterday, and their defensive line – has a chance to be pretty good. I mean, and Williams had an outstanding training camp. Carl Lawson is healthy, and he played yesterday. He had some pressure. So this D-line, I think, could set the tone for the defense, and they will have to because, as I said, I think the offense is going to go through a growing period, so the defense will have to carry the flag through the first month of the
2: season. All right, I'll take it wherever I can get it. Rich Zimini, outstanding. Thank you very much. I like that one-question feature, especially during uh, this time of year. It's a good chance to catch up in a lot of different places. Um, I'm, I'm anticipating a lot of pain with my Jets this year. But I, I remain as bad as the preseason has been. And I don't know how much worse it can possibly get than the quarterback who is your entire future getting hurt in the very fr- in the first quarter of the first game and looking bad before that, and then the offense looking just terrible the rest of the Time. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm not sure how much worse things could have gone than they've gone this last month. Having said that, I remain some cautious optimism that we're going to have a season that will be enjoyable, which does not, again, have to translate into winning 10 or 11 games. I don't think that's, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I think it's pretty close to impossible. But I think you can go 6 and 11 and still emerge with a good feeling. Um, particularly if some of those wins start coming late. And if you're in these games early, you know, you lose a close, hard-fought game against – you You name the team because they play them all. <laughs> Baltimore, anybody you want, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Green Bay, whoever it is you want. You play those teams tough. You know, Rogers beats you with a touchdown at the end. Okay. We live with that. If it's 36-2, to two, that's a lot less fun. All right. So that was good to do. And, guys, let's wrap it up with um, what I – Teased earlier, which is that the overwhelming expectation is that at some point this week we will see the end of one of the greatest and most important eras in the history of sports, and and that is to say that while it has not been officially announced, it is widely believed, and I think clearly the case, that this U.S. Open, which begins today in Queens, New York, um, will be the last for the great Serena Williams. And with the way she has played the last year or so, the expectation is not that she will make a deep run. It obviously would be magnificent to see. To see her play into next week would be fabulous. But more likely, I think it is that at at some point this week, we will be saying our goodbyes to one of the greatest champions that our country has ever produced in any sport and to one of the most important players that any sport has ever had. There were so many different ways. And I had John McEnroe on the TV show today, and I asked him to put into words, how do you describe the impact that Serena has had on the sport and and the world beyond the sport? And maybe the perfect place to start answering that question is by saying very few players ever have an impact beyond their sport. There are lots of great players, all-time historically great players, who don't have an impact beyond the game they play. In the case of Serena, it is obviously something far more than that. She is far more than just the greatest player in the history of her sport. She's someone who has brought people into the to the tent, if you will, that brought brought people to the party that never otherwise would have been there in part because they were never made to feel welcome. And I said this about Tiger Woods once upon a time as well. And tennis is a sport that I grew up playing, and it's a sport that I've always loved. But the reality is that its reputation for stodginess, stuffiness, exclusion, etc., all those things are to some degree well-earned. That comes from generations of the sport not having been made available, not having been um, welcoming. To lots of people. And Serena and her sister Venus, uh, as much as anyone that I can think of in any sport, walked in a door that might not have otherwise existed. They built a door. I mean, they kicked in a door, however you want to put it. I'm not sure there was a door open to them. They, they found an entrance that may not otherwise have existed. And they changed the sport forever, and they made an impact that is well beyond the parameters of the game of tennis. It is far larger than a tennis court is. And their impact will be felt a very long time. So I I can do nothing but tip a cap to Serena, um, whose brilliance on the court has spoken for itself. And, um, you know, the impact that she has made off the court, I think has been, as I was just saying, equally significant. Because my mind always works this way. I started trying this morning, Nuno, to think of a list of athletes in recent memory who have become bigger than the sport they play which is to say there are tons of people who are fans of Serena Williams who could not otherwise care less about tennis. Now, it is much harder to accomplish that in a team sport than it is in an individual sport. Individual sports, by their nature, there are people who will become attached to, for whatever reason, a golfer, a tennis player, a boxer, a race car driver, or whatever other individual sport you want to talk about. It's easier to transcend an individual sport than it is a team sport. But I started just jotting down names. So you tell me who I'm missing. Serena Williams obviously comes to mind. Tiger Woods obviously comes to mind. I think the last boxer to do that was Mike Tyson. Uh, you, You tell me, Nuno, am I missing anybody? I think the last time a fighter became bigger than the sport was Mike Tyson. There were people who cared about Tyson that otherwise would not have cared about, cared anything at all about boxing. Does that sound right?
5: Yeah, because I mean, the only guy, you might say Floyd, but like his fights aren't entertaining and you're watching Tyson because of the entertainment and you didn't know what was going to happen.
2: That's the thing. I think Floyd is a great fighter. He's an all time great fighter. I don't think he transcended the sport. I really don't. I don't think there were people. Yes, there were people who only watched his fights that didn't watch others, but I do not think he became um, a, a figure above and beyond the sport of boxing. Who mattered in the way that Mike Tyson did. I just tried to, I mean, Michael Jordan, I think, clearly goes in that category. Does LeBron go in that category? Did LeBron become bigger
5: than the sport he plays? I think LeBron and then the other name, possibly an individual sport, is something maybe like Michael Phelps. There was that stretch. Yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, for absolute certain. Swimming is not nearly in and of itself. The entity of swimming, of course, is not comparable to even, you know, the the boxings and the golfs and the
1: tennis of
2: the world. But, yes, absolutely.
1: And the only name I can think of is probably like, I don't know, Tony Romo. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio and see it with the video on ESPN plus also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.
6: Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half.